Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we read one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. It's my privilege to share with you each day at this time, and this week, uh, the first week here in December, uh, we're reading texts related to waiting, texts that are kind of a... um, usually associated with Advent, and uh, today's texts for Thursday, December 3rd, are Psalm 36, 5 to 10, Isaiah 60, 1 to 7, and 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. And I will read the text today from 1 Peter. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice, and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. First thing I want to lift up here is just this imagery in verse 2 of being like newborn babies, craving spiritual milk. It's a really, it's a strong word, isn't it? The idea of craving. Um, you know, we, my wife Jill and I, we have five kids, and each of them, you know, when they were newborns, the way that they craved uh, nursing, right? They craved being close with their mom and receiving nourishment from her. Um, it was something to see, you know, like sometimes you'd get them, uh, particularly kind of as they got accustomed to it, you know, they would they would sit on her lap and just immediately start thinking of nursing and you could see them start to sort of start to squirm and uh, you know wriggle around her lap and look for a way to kind of get at the food you know Um, that idea of like this is what I'm here for I'm so excited to have this milk this is what I want and um, I think it's an interesting image for us as as Christians you know when, when we think about becoming like children for instance we don't usually think about it in in terms of having that deep unabated craving Um, and we often kind of feel a little bit sheepish about our desires anyway Um, we're not exactly sure of the role of desire in the Christian life and we think I shouldn't want anything too much I should just be happy with whatever God gives me Um, but to be honest uh, and you know I, I won't go into all the reasons I think this I do think it's really important for us to realize that desire is just part of what it means to be human um we often, I think, 
try to put desire to death in our lives, and when we do that, we're just never really successful. <laughs> but we do need to think about how our desire is channeled. Like, we need to learn to ask the question, why do I want what I want? Right, so often people deal with their cravings for junk food or their cravings for sex or any of the other cravings that kind of come into our lives, cravings for luxury, cravings for comfort, cravings for security. Um, we deal with those cravings by sort of saying, I shouldn't feel those and I definitely should not express those. It's too painful for me to, um, to express those out loud. There's too many social strictures against me talking about what I'm craving. I just need to keep those under wraps. And often what happens, of course, if we, if we try to do that and we just sort of again and again tell ourselves not to want things, it doesn't really change the inside of our hearts. Like we end up wanting those things anyway. And so we just need to begin to like ask ourselves, where did those cravings come from? Why do I crave this thing? Where, you know, what in me, um, what, what in this, uh, what in this desire is just kind of a natural part of being human? What in this is frankly a result of my own sinfulness? What in this is a result of another person's sin on me that made a sinful um, behavior or a sinful craving seem normal? Like, where did it come from? And that's just such a vital thing, I think, for us to, to deal with. Advent is about, like, there's no waiting. Like, if Advent's a season of waiting, there's no waiting without wanting, right? If you stop wanting the thing you're waiting for, then you don't really want it anyway. Like, if you're waiting in line to go on a ride at Disney World, and the ride shuts down, no one hangs around and waits in the line because there's nothing that you're waiting for. So, you know, the, the season of waiting and, and yearning presupposes there's some craving there. So, again, I mean, I just think it's, it's, uh, it's important for us to, to realize that's got to be dealt with in a different way, not just tamped down. The other main image in this text is the image of being built into a spiritual house. Peter says, Jesus is a living stone, and you all, like living stones, have to be built into a house together. And Jesus says the cornerstone, you know. And this image really appeals to us in a different way, I think, um, different than the craving image, right? It speaks to me as an adult looking for purpose in my life, looking for who, who I am and what's the grand project that I'm contributing to. Maybe this is just a middle-aged person talking, but my life is not really about self-actualization any longer. Um, it's not about me trying to figure out who I am and um, impose that on the rest of the world or offer that to the rest of the world. It's now thinking about what are the, what are the projects that I'm contributing to, the things that um, will outlive me, but that I can give my efforts to while I can give effort to it. And um, this, this also has built within it, though, a, 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 uh, an implicit kind of wanting, an implicit kind of desire, right? He's asking you to say, hey, you're like a stone. Yearn to be not just a pile of stones. Yearn to be built into a house. <laughs> Dream about what you might become. And again, this is just super important. Like I say, I think, you know, if, if you're listening to me and you're middle-aged, maybe you'll understand this. Um, the way in which we might want to lose that craving at this point in our lives because it comes clear to us that we're not going to live to see it fully realized. And so we can begin to sort of express mastery over our disappointment in that by saying, I never really wanted it anyway. <laughs> and uh, Peter here is encouraging us, no, like have this vision of what you could become and keep, keep dreaming, keep yearning. 
We don't want to turn desire off in our lives, but we want to fall in love with the right image for our lives. Like the image of becoming a spiritual house, that's something that should be implanted in our minds and we should be living out of that. We should be thinking each day, what am I doing to contribute to this project or to destroy this project? Because we want to, to become something different than we are now. Um, you know, images like this are so important to us that I think that's part of why Part of why it's so powerful to to envision the image of the the infant on the mother's lap and, and the spiritual house um, even as wordy as peter is he's holding up images for us instead of words and those images really do capture us we we want to grow into that and like i say in western culture there are clever ways of kind of working around our desire and being you know the kind of classic western idea of being cool means that you sort of recognize that all the things people desire are are kind of fallen and, and and you're above all that and the call of a christian is not to be above that <laughs> but the call of a christian is to keep yearning and wanting in the right way and to, with absolute sincerity right like to keep to get rid of guile to get rid of insincerity and to give ourselves fully and wholeheartedly uh, to the things that that we want when our wanting has been healed um, by god God, we are thankful that you don't just put us in this world to survive, um, but that you put us in this world with desires and dreams. And we think about infants yearning for spiritual milk, and we think about middle-aged people yearning to see the meaning of their lives. And God, we pray that you would be the one who answers our yearnings, rather than the one who calls us out of our yearnings or tells us to put desire to death, the one who speaks to us and says, I'm the one you're yearning for keep yearning, keep longing, and you will find me. God, that's what we yearn for at this time of year. We think about the coming of the Christ child at Christmas, and we, and during this season as we await it, God, we pray that you will be present with us as we wait and keep us yearning instead of keeping us satisfied with where we are. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, it's always nice to talk to you. We have one more day where we'll look at Advent texts, so we'll do that tomorrow on Friday. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.